How low can we go? What a week. My name is Matt Sinovic. I'm the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Ivy Beckenholt, Communications Director of Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week with hot takes about the week's news and shout outs for people doing good in the world. This week we hear from Iowa Senate Democratic leader Zach Walls, but we start with what made headlines this past week, including and beginning with uh, Governor Reynolds' condition of the state with and, and the kickoff of the legislative session, which is just how low can we go? Um, it is gonna, they're just going to try and keep surprising us with... Uh, new depths to which they will stoop. Um, we'll start with the governor's condition of the state. Ivy, um, what, uh, what, was, what was your take on it? Um, I think it was bad, obviously. Right. But I think the most frustrating parts were focusing around, you know, COVID, school choice, and then the police bill that she wants to introduce. So going in a little bit further on those, for school choice, wanting to support vouchers, and take away, like, students out of public schools, take them out of public schools, basically, uh, by giving them that false sense of choice. I mean, it really just takes funds away from public schools, and it leaves the kids behind at those schools in a worse off place. So I just think it's, that part was really horrible. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, they're just, she's using this, I think she's using this time and of crisis to jam through things like that that are just... Um, um, really awful long-term policy for the state and for kids because it's it's um, you you hit the nail on the head. It just takes money and funding from from public schools, um, and and we cannot afford that right now. I really can never afford that. Um, uh, and I was struck by you mentioned COVID. Like she gave this very rare prime time address. Normally, this speech is given in the morning, which is you know totally fine. But she gave it at like six o'clock, so it had a, I hope, I think, a larger audience. But didn't mention the fact that people should wear masks. Didn't say, "Hey, we're in the home stretch of COVID, but be safe. Continue to protect each other." And it's like she just ignored the entire. I mean, she talked about the disease and talked about like what 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 the state's done, but she didn't really like show any leadership and so and we put out a statement talking about how it was detached from reality and i think that's that's why i mean like if you're the governor and you're, you have people dying literally every day um you got to step up and lead mm-hmm. she talked about it like it was successful like oh we got through it right. so proud of us yeah but there's like how many more than four thousand iowans dead so yeah obviously that's not the narrative that i would go with no not at all it's like we're at the yeah. you know like halfway through a a marathon with a broken leg and she's like saying and declaring victory at the finish line like no we've kind of messed things up and still have a long way to go um mm-hmm. so oh it's it's really really ridiculous um and um there's yeah i wanted oh go ahead sorry i wanted to bring up the police part uh of the bill that she was going to introduce i saw in the iowa capital dispatch jalen cable brought this up and he made a really good point that some of the parts of this proposed bill 
would be that officers are allowed to pursue civil rem- remedies if anyone makes a complaint about them, which is just horrible because then people can be fearful of making these complaints and it kind of just goes against all the progress that was made last year. So that was disappointing. Yeah, and I, I saw that Ross Smith was, State Representative Smith was talking about how like some of the pieces of her plan were ones that were stripped out of last year's proposal. And mm-hmm. I, I, I believe this is... Uh, what he said that the, that they were just kind of copied and pasted, but or, or t- in large part taken from last year's uh, proposals. So that's really, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't think that the governor is taking anything as far as racial justice goes seriously, unless she's being pushed to do so, um, and is really again using the. I mean, she's using COVID, our economic crisis, to push through a number of things. She's using all the current uh, violence caused by um, uh, by far-right and white supremacists to push through proposals like you're talking about that would um, that would really be um, really problematic to people making legitimate complaints against uh, uh, against police officers um, so that's that's just all terrible but not terribly surprising yeah, and we'll see which proposal she really backs uh, in the House, right. like what she supports in the Senate, so we'll see. Yeah. But moving on kind of to the House and Senate session did start this week, and it was quite disappointing to see some of the legislation that was getting subcommittees. Uh, first off, abortion, the HSB 41. Uh, that subcommittee is happening Tuesday at 9 a.m. to propose an amendment to the Constitution that... Uh, the Constitution won't protect the right to abortion. That's obviously disappointing. What were your thoughts on that one? I mean, it's never a good idea to put into the Constitution things that take away people's rights. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's generally a good, in my, in my opinion, a good governing principle. Like, if you're putting language into the Constitution, it should expand the rights of people. It shouldn't take them away. And that's what they're trying to do. Um, and no one needs to get in the middle of what a, what uh, decisions are being made by by someone and their doctor, and that's that's all this is. Um, and and it's it's really um, it's really frustrating. Uh, I know we say the name of this podcast could really just be frustrating, but not surprising because that's what we. Right. I feel like I say that a lot on here, but that's mm-hmm. what it is. That's that's exactly what it is. Um, it's. Uh, it's really not surprising. Um, thankfully, it is not something that can just snap their fingers and do. Um, they have to go through a lengthy process to get a constitutional amendment, including putting it on the ballot. Um, and uh, but but it is um, it's troubling that this is just what they're what they're gunning for. So yeah, right. Um, it doesn't benefit any Iowan specifically, besides you know their agenda. It's not helping us. It doesn't save us tax dollars, you know, restricting abortion or anything. No. And it obviously goes against our rights to yeah. have bodily autonomy. So that's disappointing. Yep. And I know that they claim that they're, you know, saving lives. But on the flip side, and this this week, the Senate Judiciary Committee subcommittee <laughs> uh, moved forward with a death penalty, death penalty bill, which kind of goes against their, you know, pro-life stance. But there we go. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's rarely a time when there's not hypocrisy on display, but it's but this is as bad. As, I mean, this is like, mm-hmm. I mean, 
you, you, you like you have abortion and then death penalty here in the outline one one after the other and it's like yeah. how does this jive at all like there's no mm-hmm. um there's there's truly no no common sense argument to be to be made for for this and there's no point and there's really no sense in like this is what they're starting with this is like when we're dealing with a i mean like the job numbers that are coming out too are like Gosh, are on yeah. par with the with the recession of of 0809 and yeah. and this is what we're doing like this is how they're starting the session um it's absurd i mean it's bad both are bad policy but but it's just it's just the wrong priority right now too so um yeah it's it's it doesn't make sense it's it's completely immoral um and and the state should not be killing anyone so it's um it doesn't make any sense just watching the subcommittee was horrible to see like so many people were advocating against it and then to see you know senator garrett kind of just ignore all of those complaints and say oh we're gonna go for it because some studies say that it does deter people what studies are you talking about you know it's kind of like the some people say don't wear masks you know like uh, reynolds said or whatever but yeah you know they don't rely on any actual research-based study uh usually so i don't i would love to see what what study he's talking about i Mm -hmm. I, um because well i'm sure it's absolutely ridiculous yeah (laughs) um Moving on to one happy note this week. Um, well, happy is probably a too strong of a word, but but good and productive use of government time is um, is Cindy Axney, Congresswoman Cindy Axney, voted for impeachment, which did happen. She was the only vote in Iowa for impeachment, which was again disappointing, but not surprising. Um, but uh, the House did impeach. Ten Republicans voted for it. Which was somewhat encouraging. Um, I yeah, think, I was surprised. I think they. I read that that made it the most bipartisan impeachment um, in history. Um, would you like? Did you watch any of this unfold the other day, or or um, I did not watch any of the speeches. I couldn't make myself do it, but um, but was glad to see that outcome. Yeah, I watched some of it on television. It. You know, I think it was just very much what you would expect, mostly Democrats saying that obviously inciting an insurrection is a horrible thing, and then some Republicans, you know, ignoring this. But I was surprised to see that uh, I think it was Dick Cheney's daughter who uh, supported impeachment. I was very surprised by that. That was like, I don't think I've ever agreed with Liz Cheney on anything in my life, probably, Mm -hmm. but except this. I mean, her statement, and it wasn't even just like, I mean, remember when Mitt Romney voted for impeachment a year ago? I mean, mm-hmm. he was very like, this is troubling, and I don't like doing this, and it was all these caveats and whatever. Liz Cheney's statement, if you haven't read, like, it was on, it was just straight fire. It was just like, the president did this. He caused the riot. He ins- he lit the match. He, bl- you know, like, there's all this very powerful language with it, too. I mean, she did not pull any punches, so... um to the extent that for these next 60, 30 to 60 seconds, I can compliment Liz Cheney and then go back to normal life, like good for her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, now predictably she's being like called on to resign from her leadership post. Yeah. I mean, 
all this goofy stuff that goes on in the Republican Party, but good for her for speaking the truth and, and voting for it. And good for every Democrat for speaking the truth and voting for this. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens coming up. Chuck Grassley, Joni Ernst. About to be up to you. Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. I know, but, but it's, uh, but I mean, if they, like, they want to have their legacy as, as actual, you know, responsible legislators who uphold the Constitution and law and order, they should probably vote to convict someone who incited an insurrection uh, uh, and an attack on our Capitol. So... I, I I don't I I'm with you. I don't think that it will happen. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be very surprised. But um, he'll be gone. He'll be out of office very soon anyway. So this is your chance to at least salvage some of your long-term yeah. legacy here, because this is a vote that that will be revisited for decades and decades. Um, um, there's only been four, I believe four impeachments in history. Mm-hmm. There's only been one president to lead a march on his own capital. Um, so probably we'll remember who voted to support him. Exactly. Well, uh, next up we have our hot takes <laughs> on where note. we comment on. <laughs> yeah, on that positive note. Uh, we're going to move on to hot takes where we talk about, you know, the crazy things that happened this week and some things that were said. Uh, first up, we have Senator Zach Whiting. Is that what say? But anyway, Zach Whiting uh, comparing the peaceful protest inside the Capitol uh, last summer to the violent attack at the National Capitol this year. So that was just obviously shocking almost. Shocking but not shocking as our theme goes. Um, to see someone compare the peacefulness that happened last summer advocating for something that was very important, Black Lives, comparing it to the craziness that happened last week. I thought that was disrespectful what about you yeah i think zach white ing should get out i mean like this is absurd beyond belief um Mm -hmm. i i mean i missed it i missed the part the part where uh where someone knelt on donald trump's neck for almost nine minutes and prevented Mm -hmm. him from breathing um i missed the part where someone broke into his apartment or house and and woke him up to start shooting at him. Um, I missed the part where he was being uh, discriminated against to the point where his life was at risk. Um, he's He lost an election. He doesn't like the results. And so he incited a riot, uh, a mob white supremacist riot, terrorist, whatever language you're comfortable with. Um, this is the opposite of people trying to prevent death and uh, 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 death on our streets. It happens almost every day. So um, that's more than a hot take. So sorry, but Zach Whiting, move along. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, More crazy stuff at the Capitol. Uh, Many Iowa legislators, notably on the GOP side, were not wearing a mask at the Capitol. This was insane because there is a virus... I don't think they know that, apparently, but I just couldn't believe it. I was watching on Monday, watching everything start off, and I see people not wearing masks, and I'm just wondering what's going on. Is this really how we're going to start it off? But here we go. They're super spreaders. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, they must really not care about their constituents. They do not. They don't care they, about their lives. They do not. They just care about themselves. Yep. There's my hot take. Yeah. 
This week for the interview, I talked with Iowa Senate Democratic leader Zach Walls about the upcoming session, um, his take on what went down at, at the Capitol um, last week, and um, and and something that he hopes to accomplish this year. So enjoy this discussion with State Senate Democratic leader Zach Walls. Senator Walls, thank you so much for joining us on What a Week this week. Um, and congratulations. What a week indeed. My man. We named it that because it kind of can go either way. It's like, what a, what a totally. week. Or, but right. uh, more often than not, uh, <laughs> it's been what yeah. a week. Um, yeah. But uh, so and congratulations on your uh, election as as leader. We're all very, very excited and um, and look forward to many, many great, great, uh, great things. So so congrats. Um, sure. Thank you. I want to just kind of first ask, like, what what's been your experience coming in as as the new new leader and and your first session uh, or the beginning of your first session uh, in that position? Sure. Well, I'll certainly say, Matt, first of all, it's good to be with you. What a week indeed. And and that's kind of how I felt, frankly, for every week since I was elected leader is what a week. You know, there's an expression in politics, uh, long days, short weeks. I think over the last eight weeks has mostly been long days, long weeks. And and I think the the experience has mostly been one of drinking from a fire hydrant without any mm-hmm. doubt. You know, the election happened and then immediately, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a, a flip gets switched or a switch gets flipped. And, and after that, it's, it's just kind of go, 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 you know, being pulled in in a million different directions, being asked to make, I mean, literally life and death decisions as they pertain to how are we going to be handling COVID-19 at the state house where it's our responsibility to take care of members and many people in my caucus who are obviously at that elevated risk for COVID-19. How are we going to make decisions about vaccination? How are we getting ready to go back to a state house that is now clearly a target for uh, white nationalist insurrectionists? And that's obviously something that weighs on you pretty heavily. Uh, then all of the other normal stuff of like right. getting new stationery made and getting to know my senior administrative assistants here at the Capitol <laughs> and like, how does my new email work and all the, so you, it's, it's this very interesting blend of like these critical life altering decisions that are going to have potentially profound impacts on, on, on members of my caucus, on our staff, on the people who come to the Capitol every day to work. And then also like this completely mundane process of, of moving into this new office and, and kind of reorganizing my files and, and getting new, new like, business cards. You're right. Like yeah. truly anybody starting a new job, right? Like, exactly. um, yeah. um, so no, that, and, that and I would makes- say the, this, the only thing is like my project list in terms of like, what are all the projects we're working on? You know, it's like well into the forties at any given moment of different things that were plates that were spinning. So, and then on, on top of all of that, trying to make sure that my fiance doesn't break off our engagement um, and, and trying to keep the family happy and, and also trying to find time to root for the Green Bay Packers, who I think are poised for a potentially deep playoff run here. We'll see. Maybe they'll meet my Chiefs in the Super Bowl. That'd be a fun. I'm, I, hey, I hope so. I'd be happy to make a friendly gentleman's wager. That I would, that would be about, great. Yeah, uh, yeah well, let's just talk that. about that offline. So, okay, okay. Um, well, you mentioned it already, and I, I really want to uh, make sure and give you plenty of time to answer, to, to talk through this. Um, what are What's your role or what have you been doing? So on a couple of fronts, you mentioned COVID. I want to talk about that because I know you all are doing things a little bit differently than mm-hmm. than your Republican counterparts, um, which is really great. But I want to make sure that people know how you're handling your staff, your team, 
and then um, and then also talk about the your what what can be done to I mean or what's happening at, with the um, uh, we, the the awful there were the awful attacks last week, but now we know that there being there are more being planned around the country, and I don't know I don't know a great detail about what's happening in Iowa, um, but but that is absolutely terrifying, and and so anyway on both those fronts, just curious how you're how you're approaching things. Sure, well I'll start with the second question first, then we'll go back to COVID. You know, obviously we were all shocked and stunned at the events in Washington D.C. Uh, last week. You know, it was that was such a turbulent week just between the stress going into the Georgia election, the elation Wednesday morning, and then I think the shock and horror Wednesday afternoon watching those images come out. Um, you know, I, I had, I think, 20 Zoom meetings and phone calls scheduled that day. So I was literally in between meetings, just checking my phone to see what was going on. I was getting New York Times push alerts. Um, I've been logged off of Twitter for, uh, I think, over a month at this point, um, just trying to like reduce the amount of like outside distraction that's happening. So I wasn't yeah. following what was happening on Twitter, but I was starting to see text messages and what have you roll in. And it was a really, obviously really shocking and really stunning um, day and, and tragic I mean, loss of life. And, and um, the flags at the Iowa Capitol are flying at half mast today because uh, at least one Capitol police officer died in the line of duty. And I believe another may have taken his life after the events. And so mm -hmm. we're obviously grieving that, that tragic and unnecessary bloodshed in our nation's capital. Um, but I also want to say, Matt, I don't think that any of it should be surprising. And I said this in my opening day speech, but what happened at the Capitol was the direct result of a president who instructed his supporters to march on the Capitol. When Mr. Trump started his campaign for president, he said that he could get away with shooting a man on Fifth Avenue in New York, and he's going to have closed his presidency by ordering his instructors to march down Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. And now um, at least two officers are dead and several civilians as well. And so it's obviously a, a, a tragic coda on, on his legacy. And, and the thing that I think is really important for your listeners and for every American to really understand is that this was unnecessary. It did not have to happen. And the reason it happened is because this president has lied to his supporters about, quote unquote, election fraud, which is a lie. He's lied to his supporters about uh, you know these, these stolen votes or rigged votes, which is a lie. And it's really important that if we want to move forward and, and emerge from this crisis stronger than we were going into it, it is incumbent upon the party that has lied to its supporters about this, this quote unquote, you know, kind of specter of, of voter fraud to say that was a lie. It was all a lie. And, and they did it to try and win votes and to try to keep people from voting. And, and until there isn't a real reckoning with what happened, I don't think it's going to be possible for us to move forward because this is not just an Iowa problem. This is a, a national problem. Um, and and my, I hope that we see um, the new Congress and President-elect Joe Biden take up H.R. 1, the, the comprehensive voting uh, legislation that will protect access to the ballot in all 50 states and, and hopefully insulate us from um, gerrymandering, not just in Iowa, but across the country. Which we uh, want to get and, to in a minute, which as which, well. which I, yeah. I look forward I look forward to talking about here as it pertains to Iowa. But so that's that's kind of my my big take on um, on what happened in the Capitol. I will say I've been very pleased to see a handful of Republicans come forward and acknowledge some of what's going on and, and condemn without reservation the violence uh, and the lawlessness that we saw. 
We need more of that. We need every Republican in this state and across the country to step forward and say this was a free and fair election. President-elect Biden won the election, and we need a peaceful transition of power. And I, I, I 100% think that's what, how we're going to move forward. To answer your question about COVID-19 more generally, you know, I, I your viewers are going to be or your listeners are, are listening to this on a podcast. We're doing this on Zoom. I've got a face mask and a face right. shield here at my desk at the Capitol, and those are what you know I'm I'm trying to wear. I'm wearing the, the face mask basically anytime I leave my office or if I have people in here and I'm wearing the face shield anytime we've got more than a handful of folks on the floor whenever we're down uh, and doing floor work. Uh, and so we're taking it really seriously. We've encouraged our members to participate in as much work virtually as possible. The good news is that there is a virtual subcommittee process, which is where a bulk of the work gets done. And so we're participating in that virtually as much as we can. And then um, the committee meetings are having happening on the floor, but socially distanced and spread out with, I think, a, a decent amount of social social distance. Uh, so that's good. And then um, floor work is still going to be a little bit of a challenge. The good news is that there isn't that much floor work that happens in these first six or seven weeks. There will be a couple of things that I'm sure will take up relatively quickly, but most of it is going to be in the subcommittee process still. Um, and then, you know, we're, like I said, my expectation for my caucus is that when we're in the building, we're wearing masks. Uh, as you know, um, legislators, we have that responsibility to follow good public health uh, guidance and and to help show the people of Iowa that that is something that we can do. And so that's that's something that we've been really focused on. We're we're caucusing virtually, which is a new experience for all of us. Um, and so, and you know, my caucus is is a little bit on the older side, and so there's been some uh, you know some a little bit of a learning curve. But I got to say, a lot of credit to them. They're doing a really good job. Uh, and our staff of, of figuring out the virtual thing and making it work as best as we can. I think maybe some folks are, are spending more time on their laptops than they otherwise would have given the circumstances, yeah. but um, it's working out, um, you know, all things considered relatively well. In terms of, you know, what the agenda is around COVID, you know, obviously the vaccine is number one, making sure that we're getting that out uh, to people as fast as we can, uh, making sure that people know that the vaccine is free. You will not have a copay. You will not have uh, a deductible, you are not going to be asked to pay for this. Like you, Uncle Sam has picked up the tab here. So getting the, the vaccine is free for everybody who wants it. Uh, making sure that we're providing emergency help to the people who are hurting the most. So that's our small businesses, our frontline healthcare workers, other essential workers, food pantries, uh, city and, and county governments that are really bearing the brunt fiscally of this crisis in a big way, uh, in addition to a lot of our, our businesses that are struggling. Um, I'd say the third thing is laying down that rock that we can build on for to, to build back better. We had some really good bipartisan bills that that kind of came forward last year, but didn't get over the finish line around things like healthcare, more investments in broadband, um, progress on racial justice. That we we started that conversation last year, need to continue that conversation, um, and some of these other opportunities to make sure that as we recover from COVID, we can build back better. And then the fourth thing, and this is really critical, is trying to learn from the mistakes of this pandemic. What were the mistakes, the failures in state government? Um, where was their negligence, profiteering in the private sector? And so Senate Democrats are calling for an independent and nonpartisan kind of blue ribbon COVID commission that can really do this investigation and get to the bottom of what those mistakes and failures were and making sure that they have full investigatory powers is going to be really important because if we don't learn the lessons from this crisis, then we won't be better prepared, not if, but when the next pandemic strikes. And that all makes sense. And I just want to say, I, we, everyone, I mean, I've been thinking, we see a lot of maybe, I don't, I don't want to say public shaming, but a lot of criticism of people who are not wearing, you know, maybe not doing the right thing or not taking the proper precautions. But as someone with 
you know, two little kids at home and parents and grandparents and all that. Like, I want to just say thank you because I think a thank you is owed to you, to everyone who's doing the right thing, because whether you know it or not, you're protecting my family, you're protecting or helping to protect all and everyone. So I I think that that's really important to, to recognize. Um, And so anyway, we appreciate it. I'm sure many, many others do as well. Um, so thank you for doing that, even though you're not being required, you know, not being required to. Um, I do want to ask for the virtual process legislature, like, can you, can, are, is there virtual voting at this point, like for subcommittees, committees, or on the floor, or how, how does that piece of it working? That's a good question. So for subcommittees, um, our understanding is that you'll be able So the way that there's, there isn't technically voting in a subcommittee, you sign right, a piece sign, of paper right, sure, sure. that is mm-hmm. the subcommittee report. So you can either recommend passage or not recommend passage to the full committee. Uh, our understanding is that folks who are participating in that process virtually will be able to uh, kind of make that decision or report it back virtually. Uh, And so that is, that's really good. The public is going to be able to participate in the subcommittee meeting. So for sure, stay tuned as those subcommittees start to come online later this week and next week, we're going to be working to help get the word out about those. They will also be posted on the legislative website. So I believe that those zoom links are, are going to be available to the public and we're going to do our best to help amplify those. And obviously we'll be looking to help from progress, Iowa and our other partners to help get that word out there about what's going on and give the public an opportunity to weigh in. And then uh, when it comes to the committee process, our understanding is that we are going to be kind of similar to last year where we had people participating kind of up in the galley or the gallery uh, and, and having a microphone up there to, to, to speak. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to get a true virtual option as well, because I think that's actually in some respects way more effective than, than having people up in the gallery. And by the way, uh, much, much safer. Now, in the, vert, in the full committee process, you have, generally speaking, less public input. Most of that public input happens on the subcommittee level, not on the full committee level. But generally speaking, I think it's good for us to have as much opportunity for the public to participate. And that's been one of our two North Stars on this whole thing. So our two kind of guiding principles and how do we come back to the legislature during COVID, the number one priority, of course, is protecting the constitutional right of Iowans to participate in their democratic process, lowercase d, democratic process. And then second is ensuring that we are not contributing to the acceleration of COVID-19 spread in Polk County and in our state. Because by the way, most legislators are coming in to Des Moines from wherever their home district is and then going home. And so if God forbid we have an outbreak here at the Capitol, you have the potential to start seeding things back home. And so you are a bunch of super spreaders. I mean, you're just going to, you know, I mean, I mean p- p- potentially. Yeah. yeah. Potentially, and, and, right. and that's yeah. a very real, a very real concern. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've made the decision. I'm going to do my best to participate in everything virtually as much as I can. Um, and that, you know, of course, whenever I'm out in public, I'm wearing a face mask. I will also probably be wearing a face shield in addition to that uh, going forward, just because of the exposure that we know is happening here at the building. Um, but I think for a lot of us, frankly, it's kind of shocking just because a lot of us have been figuring out opportunities to work from home, you know, and so to be here, especially, you know, I think many of us are in um, situations where the people in our lives are mostly wearing masks to be back here and to see, you know, at best 20, 25% mask wearing on the other side of the aisle is, is frankly pretty shocking. I was watching some of it on online yesterday. It's surreal. Like it was, it was, it yeah. was like watching people from a different planet almost. Well, and, it's and, like, and man, this I is still, we're in the middle of it, right? Still. Right. So, and it's significantly worse than when we were back in June, by the way. I mean, oh, we, we were, when were we were back masks. in June. 
Yeah, I guess well, that's well, true. I mean, I one of the, this, the, commu- the community spread in Polk County oh. is at a much higher yeah. level than it was when we were back in June. Um, and, you know, obviously we know more about the virus. We know more about the disease. Yeah. We know how the virus spreads. Uh, and we've got some more therapeutics, what have you, around the, on the disease side. But it's still, I think, really troubling to see just how um, lackadaisical a lot of people are being about about the the, the potential of this virus to have really deadly impacts, especially when you see that multiple state legislators, I believe the congressman elect in Louisiana were killed by the virus. And yeah. so uh, really, really troubling stuff. The one other thing that I would, I would simply say in terms of um, capital and, and uh, COVID-19 uh, is just that we don't really have a lot of, of transparency. I think, I think the public has a lot of questions like what exactly is happening at the Capitol. And that's why it's so frustrating that the majority has decided that the legislative body or the state house are somehow not a part of the governor's public health emergency declaration. We have a mandate for everyday Iowans from the governor uh, that apply. It's not as strong as I would like it to be, but it's a, right. a start. That doesn't apply to the state house because the folks who run the state house and the majority just decided they didn't want that to be a priority. And that's obviously, um, I mean, shocking, frankly. Yeah. Um, shocking, but maybe not surprising. So that's yeah. um, uh, unfortunately. Um, I think the uh, um, uh, I think the the last thing I want to talk about is what you're afraid of and what not afraid of what, what you're worried about this potentially challenges this session and maybe what some and end with a couple of uh, uh, reasons for hope. So on our list of and there could be more, but uh, gerrymandering is you know n- number one. Um, uh, the voucher debate, um, the push for that, maybe the anti-abortion amendment that's coming through, the potential is coming through. I'm sure there are others, but those, and then, and then I just want to end, yeah, give you a chance to talk about like things that you actually, a couple of things that you actually think might be able to get accomplished that are productive. Um, sure. So, yeah. Well, starting, starting with redistricting and the threat of gerrymandering, I think the first thing that's most important for your listeners to know is that gerrymandering can happen in Iowa. We have a really good process in place but there is a loophole that when you have unified control of government, you can. there's a phrase that people are probably going to start hearing more and more over the next couple of weeks and months, and that is talking about the third map. And if the legislature so – the, so the maps are all drawn by a nonpartisan group called the Legislative Services Agency. If the legislature votes down the first map that the LSA draws, we go on to the second map. If we vote down the second map, then we go on to the third map. And once we get to the third map, the legislature, like any other legislation, can start amending the third map in a way that we can't for the first two. So there's a concern that Republicans could theoretically look at the map and map one, say, oh, wow, that looks really good for Democrats, vote it down. Look at the second map and say, oh, that also looks really good for Democrats, and then vote it down. And then on the third map, they can start messing around with the lines. Now, um, Republicans have been very clear that they are not going to mess with the process. Uh, they're they're not going to change the law, and so that's that's good. I want to say that's an unequivocally good thing for them to say because there was always the threat that they pull a Wisconsin where they just. Go, I mean, our our redistricting process is not in the Constitution. It is a state law subject to majority vote by both chambers and the governor's signature. There was always a threat that they could come in and just nuke the law, and it sounds like they have taken that pretty convincingly off the table. So that's actually really really good news. The bad news at the moment is that there's still a, a chance and that it's hard to project with certainty how big the chance is, but there's a chance we could get to a third map and start messing around there. I think the most likely outcome is that they approve a first map or a second map, but that chance is there. And so we just got to make sure that people are holding their senators and representatives accountable. And the message is really simple. 
no funny business, no gerrymandering, no politicians drawing the lines. Just use the process that's in place, take the first map or the second map, and no amendments on the third map. And if we do that, Matt, we're going to be able to live to fight another day. And that, frankly, I mean, that's the goal right now, is live to fight another day. Um, and, and so, you know, we'll certainly be talking more about this in the weeks and months ahead. I, I think I was quoted in a paper saying it's something that I'm not obsessing over, but it is something that I'm thinking a lot about. And I think it's exactly right. You know, I'm not, this is not the only thing that's captivating my every waking moment, but it is definitely something that we are thinking about. We are talking about, I know you and I have had some conversations about it. Yeah. And that's a conversation that we'll be continuing to have uh, with our supporters across the state. I mean, it's one of those things that like we can debate about schools or, or, uh, healthcare, abortion, or uh, uh, racial justice, or whatever it might be. But if we can't right. fairly determine who our elected officials are, then how That's do we right. even have those debates in a productive way? So yep. I think it's, I mean, I know that it'll take the process will take some time to play out here, but I'm really uh, glad that you're, that it's at the top of your, you know, a, a priority or a focus for you. Ab- absolutely. And that's where I would also say it's so critical that we won both of those races down in Georgia, because right. if, if, if God forbid something kind of um, inappropriate did happen later this year, but the feds were able to come in with HR one and get that mm-hmm. through. That would obviously be a really critical kind of check on, uh, on, on that piece of it. So that's really important. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the top to bottom on, on redistricting. Great. So let's end with something that you like that positive or productive that you think could actually get passed this year. It's a, a great question and a great note to end on. I'd say there are a couple of things that we're looking at pretty closely uh, the good news is the House last year, uh, in a very bipartisan fashion, approved some legislation that would make our childcare system in this state a lot stronger. This is something that I hear about in the urban part of my district, in the rural part of my district. Uh, folks might be surprised to learn Zach Walls has rural voters. I got a lot of rural voters <laughs> in rural Johnson County, and then I also represent all of Cedar County and down in in uh, Mus- in Muscatine County, mm-hmm. the town of Wilton. So I've got a lot of small town rural parts of my district as well. Uh, child care, something that comes up in Coralville, comes up in Clarence. So I'm hearing about it all over my district. Uh, I would say that there's a real a real chance that we move some of those child care bills this year, which would be a great step in the right direction. Um, we're hearing a lot of talk about broadband. I think we all have a deeply uh, and I think newfound appreciation for the importance of high-speed broadband internet access, something that the legislature has talked about a lot. I think the time for talk is over and the time for making change is now. So I'm, I'm cautiously hopeful that we'll see some real movement there. And I think the final piece that I'm, I'm uh, two, two last pieces that I'm excited about the possibility. Mm-hmm. One, I hope that we continue to move the ball forward on racial equity. We saw some, some good first steps taken last summer. I think it's important that we not have any backsliding. I think that's going to be really important. Um, and, and I think that anybody who, who, there's a great register story over the weekend about some of the challenges that we have with kind of some of those bad apples bouncing from department to department to department. Uh, we addressed some of that in our legislation last summer, and I hope that we're going to have more opportunity to continue to work on holding police officers who engage in that kind of misconduct accountable and making sure that the folks who are doing a good job are able to feel like they're doing a good job. That's something that's really important is not just rooting out um, bad behavior, but making sure that the folks who are, who are making a sincere effort, that's being recognized. Uh, and then I would say that the last thing is uh, something that's a topic that's also very important in urban Iowa and rural Iowa alike, and that's affordable housing. Uh, it's probably, I would say, probably the number one issue uh, in, in my district from a big-term macro perspective. Obviously, COVID and, and education are right now super, super hot-button issues. But from a big-picture perspective, housing uh, continues to be a really critical issue in this state. 
And I'm cautiously hopeful that we'll see some some really substantial uh, affordable housing legislation this year that would be, frankly, long overdue and, and a huge step in the right direction as it pertains both to manufactured homeowners, which uh, I've obviously been very engaged in for several years now, uh, as well as affordable housing more generally, which is going to pertain uh, to every island. Great. Well, I hope that all of that gets accomplished and more and and the COVID relief um, uh, or COVID uh, um, uh uh, pieces as well. So I, I will be, we'll be watching, we'll be sharing information. We're starting to share the lot, the zoom links or the WebEx links, you know, yep. the, depending on which, um, uh, for people to participate in. And so we're going to continue to try and train people and give people those opportunities. So as, and we would, we really appreciate and, and look forward to working together on that to try and get people to, to participate in this process. Cause it's, it's really important. And I think that the virtual setting does allow some pretty unique there, and new opportunities. There are pluses and minuses too. for sure. Right, which, and, you know, it's, it's more accessible in some ways and less accessible in others. Right. We're doing our best to keep people yeah. safe and do the people's business in a transparent way. So, well, congrats again on the, on the, new, on the new role. We are uh, excited to have you as the uh, Senate Democratic leader and, and look forward to uh, hopefully a, a good productive session. So, Thanks, Matt. Appreciate thanks it. For joining us. Up last, we have our shout outs where we lift up great work happening all over the state. Uh, please, as always, send your recommendations to at Progress Iowa or at Potluck FM. Ivy, you wanted to give us a shout out this week. Oh, yeah. I wanted to shout out State Senator Joe Bolcom. He was amazing on the floor this week. Um, it made it sound like he's on the dance floor. No, on the Senate floor, he really brought up a great point about the fact that they can enforce the fact that he has to wear a tie and a suit at the Capitol to speak, but people don't have to wear a mask. That part is just crazy. And then he compared uh, the Republicans to the Tyson managers over um, the mask mandate, and that was kind of entertaining to watch as well. So, yeah. Shout out to Joe Bolko. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporter like you. We are mixed and edited by Greg Howenstein. For more information, visit potluck.fm, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week.